0: Good evening, and welcome to Bloomberg News. We take you now live to a press conference where Bernie Sanders addresses the Super Tuesday results.
1: Thank you, everybody who has showed up. My lovely wife, Jane. I would like to say, after the Super Tuesday results, that it has become clear to our campaign that America does not deserve me. I will be returning to my lavish lake house with its two bedrooms. Not enough for the grandkids, but that's okay. America, you see, there are two kind of people in the world today. We have the players and we have the player hate us. Please don't hate me because I'm beautiful baby. Goodbye.
0: Powerful words. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Shitty Christians. I am your host, Michael Tabor. And I'm Zachary Allard. And we are going to be covering all kinds of things today. But first, there's been just a little something out there in the universe that's been happening. You may have heard of it. It's
1: about a year since our last episode. Oh my and, gosh, uh, I have
0: aged so much. No, you, you're
1: definitely Geralt from, <laughs> from <laughs> no, The Witcher. not age. I no, didn't, I didn't you've get got more g- handsome. No, you're super handsome, but now your hair is gray. Um, Listen,
0: and- the truth is that like all of my skin has just (laughs) fallen several more inches down my face like i I am just i am just a bag of sorrow and flesh sort of waving about in the breeze did you see uh did you see american beauty (laughs) i'm that but a flesh bag (laughs) okay so Little little thing that happened this week, <laughs> Super Tuesday. Yeah. What I appreciate about that is that everything what is intended, mm-hmm. uh, Bernie killing it. Bernie won swept every state, every state uh, got all the delegates he needed. The election is actually over. Trump killed himself, yeah, uh, Nazi style in a bunker. Uh, it's it's all been really good. Where do we where do we begin, Michael? Yeah, well let I me think, let I me think... throw this question back on you. What the fuck happened? What the fuck happened? I just I. This is not what Twitter led me to believe would be true. <laughs> you
1: know, I really expected from my from my echo chamber that it would be nothing but Bernie wins
0: from here on out. That's right. <laughs> so, in order to have any chance at understanding Super Tuesday, we actually have to go back a little further. We have to go back to South Carolina. Why would we do that? Why would you go to South Carolina? Uh, I I have gone to Carolina in my mind, and I am unhappy <laughs> about it. Uh, it is a real shame. Uh, but after eating. N- Just so much shit Mm -hmm. in the first three contests. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden managed to pull off a startling, shocking victory. Uh, And listen, there was a good chance he was always going to win.
1: Yeah, he always had the edge for a lot of reasons in that state. Yeah,
0: South Carolina was a stronghold for him. Early on, he was pulling 20 to 30 points up. But as we'd seen post-Iowa, post-New Hampshire, post-Nevada, we saw those numbers start to get closer together. And it looked like there might be a chance that Bernie would either take it Outright, which was a mm-hmm. little bit of wishful thinking, or much more importantly, the thing that I was personally expecting was yeah. a strong second place in the lead up to all of this. And then we had a debate, and I think that did help Biden a little bit. He yeah. got out pretty scot free. Nobody was gunning for Biden I, on that I, basis. I, pr-
1: I feel like I need to do a bit of a mea culpa on that.
0: We don't do those here. You're right. Exclusively Never mind. the double, double down. down.
1: <laughs> I, I'm more right about that debate now. I felt like Biden was dead in the water after the first three states.
0: Yeah, well, that was mostly because of all the death in the water,
1: <laughs> but. After that debate,
0: which I I don't think even comes down to Biden's performance. Biden is at his best when his mouth is fucking shut. Yeah. And what was great about that debate is that there were two targets on the stage, Bernie and Bloomberg. It's a really good point because
1: regardless, Bloomberg assists Biden, even if he drags some of the vote away from him. But like his tanking campaign took a lot of flack. That Absolutely,
0: it really, it really did draw fire. Legitimately so. It was a terrible yeah. campaign.
1: But something else happened that helped seal Biden's not just victory but domination.
0: Yes, and that thing is a man by the name of Jim Clyburn.
1: Why, why do I have a feeling that this is not going to be a fun story? Yeah, because you're
0: smart. <laughs> because we've
1: been <laughs> well, down no, this road. Well, no, that's not right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's that's true. It's not because you're smart. It's just because you have experience getting <laughs> fucked by politicians. <laughs> Uh, so Jim Clyburn is the majority whip leader. He is a l- institution in South Carolina to the point that over 50 percent of the people that were exit polled in South Carolina said that his endorsement was significantly important to their ultimate choice. My goodness. Jim Clyburn also super fucking corrupt. Well, like just I said. <laughs> staggeringly corrupt. Let's go through just a couple. OK. OK. Uh, so he got in trouble in a New York Times article recently because Tom Steyer was buying off his daughter and had given her, like, $40,000 for functionally, I think, some vans. I, I know this. I work for Jim Clyburn's daughter. Those are some sweet vans. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're You know, like, one of them out. has, like,
1: the, the pole in the back. The you neon, know. neon. Yeah, the neon running the lights. So uh, and So money well spent.
0: And and as is Jim Clyburn's dint, he got on and was like, oh, there's there's no issues here. And his daughter was like, we're separate people and there's no (laughs) connection. And how dare you even accuse me? Uh, And honestly, if that was the the only instance, (laughs) if that was the only instance, he might have a point. But he paid $784,000 to his nephew, who Who was an architect. Uh, Jim Clyburn got public money given to uh, because that's kind of his thing. He had three million dollars earmarked for a golf course program named after him, although that program was already funded by Fortune 500 companies.
1: Again, I also I just uh, uh, as somebody who was on the Jim Clyburn golf fund, I want (laughs) to say that like
0: that that golf course does a lot for the community. Zachary Allard, the other institutional power (laughs) in South Carolina politics. He didn't mention not one, but two projects on which his nephew was one of the lead architects. The one I mentioned for 784000 and another one for 145000 In the latter case, executives faced 15 felony charges that they had stolen public money. <laughs> All five pleaded guilty and were sentenced to five years in prison. Clyburn said he didn't know that his nephew was involved. Two times. <laughs> two times. A couple other things. Over a million dollars to his daughter, who at the time was a marketing director for an obesity clinic. $282,000 of public money for his sister-in-law, who was a housing coordinator. $670,000 for his brother, who was a trainer for a youth build program at a corporation. Uh,
1: you $2. know what I'm $2. noticing?
0: $5 million for his, to his brother's company as a lobbyist for an airport. And the brother personally received $60,000 of that money.
1: You know what I'm noticing? this is a talented family these people real entrepreneurs these people just work hard
0: there is a list of Clyburn associates that have gone to prison (laughs) i'm not going to name all of them or really get into it i'm just going to say you have to scroll (laughs) you have to scroll
1: i just listen here's the thing about about jim Clyburn. he's been let down a lot he loves too much (laughs) he's too trusting he's too Pure. I just I feel bad that he's been taken advantage of so wholly.
0: Jim Clyburn is a classic pork politician. He is mm-hmm. the man that can get in there and find a way to just tack on some of this, and some of this money may very well be steered into his communities. That's why he does so well there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in classic corrupt politics, you take a lot, you give people a little, and because those people aren't used to getting fucking anything, right? Uh, they stick by you of because course. it's it's mob rules. So you you get your turkey off the yeah. back of the truck better than the other option Uh, just to be clear one the black vote in south carolina is not a monolith no uh two in no way is this i think a reflection on black voters in general or on these black voters specifically but this is a story of a man who has made his power uh by stealing public money who giving it to his friends and family and getting away with it. He is
1: not a referendum on black voters any more than Trump is a referendum on white voters.
0: Yeah. uh, But he is, I think, it's really important that, like, one, he played... The billionaire against the mm-hmm. institutional power, and got paid by both. Which is funny. We have uh, to
1: acknowledge. Yeah,
0: I'm always take Steyer's money. Well I, done. I personally, after this podcast is completed, will be devoting <laughs> the rest of my days to sneaking around behind Tom Steyer, just pulling bills out of his back pocket. I just,
1: I just hang out with him, uh, and he just throws, he gives me a thousand. Me and
0: Juvenile just working together to take Tom Steyer's money. <laughs> That's Jim Clyburn. His vote matter a lot, and he helped Biden do a really remarkable thing at this stage in the campaign because mm. every th- everybody thought he was down and out. Yeah. But he took more than half, got a commanding uh, number of delegates, and then it was right. Saturday to Tuesday um, between South Carolina and Super mm. Tuesday. So 72 hours. That's it. How much can they shake things up in 72 hours? And my thought at the time, the DNC
1: is filled with incompetence, with boobs, with uh, various Epstein clones. Yeah. And I thought there was no way They could shake things up in any substantive way. However,
0: (laughs) I knew they were going to shake things up. I did not anticipate what happened, which was that both Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg Mm -hmm. immediately dropped. Not only did they immediately drop, they threw their support behind Biden and essentially created a centrist majority mm-hmm. where there one had not existed prior.
1: I think it's strange that Pete dropped out. I think it's strange that right after South Carolina, because he'd been doing better, even after South Carolina, he had been doing better in the primary. And I don't, now listen, maybe it's because he was getting 2% of the black vote when Trump won 8%. Yeah, that's
0: <laughs> Which is not funny, great.
1: let's acknowledge Trump better with black voters than Pete Buttigieg <laughs> and probably less racist than Pete Buttigieg, the David Duke guy. Owning Pete Buttigieg is
0: my new favorite thing. It's pretty special. I
1: I I don't know. I still kind of can't wrap my head around it, other than some kind of backroom dealing.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's not backroom dealing. It's front room dealing. Sure. uh, New York Times reported Obama called Buttigieg. Ah. Yeah. I missed that. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. No, Obama called and said basically like, "Hey, you've got a lot of leverage now, so you need to think about how you're going to play this." Wait.
1: Thanks, Obama.
0: Uh, because you're right in many ways Pete, I think would have been the preferred uh, DNC candidate. He's mm-hmm. younger, he's sharper, he talks real good. I think he actually many, fits the mold better he is, he is a much better, much stronger candidate than Joe Biden at his core. Problem was he couldn't convincingly win a state and they needed somebody who could have a convincing win and South Carolina was that thing. It was cold, it was calculated, and we got to say, it fucking worked. Yeah, it did work. Um, Because if we're getting into Super Tuesday, the polls were saying it was going to be bad, potentially. But it was also a lot of flash polls. It was really hard to know. Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be a scrap, but I thought that Bernie was going to hold on to the lead. And what happens? It
1: couldn't have not have gone better for Joe Biden. We have to start there. He is the story of the night. And not just because the media trumped us up over a weekend, not just because the party coalesced around him but because he got the most votes in the most delegates he won 10 out of 14 states yes you can't that's about as bad as it could have gone for bernie given the polling given his strength as a candidate bernie won only california utah colorado and vermont biden just biden kicked ass after being down the bottom of the ninth cleared the bases and, and i think you can't oversell how big a deal this is The race has gone from Bernie as a clear number one with a bunch of candidates to Biden back in the driver's seat. And I think it really matters because Bernie can't just be close. He can't be roughly tied. He can't even be a little bit in the lead. And by the way, he's not in the lead right now. He's a little bit down. He has to get to 1991. And I think right now that makes that a lot, a lot less likely.
0: Yes, I think the, the chances of any candidate getting a majority mm-hmm. at this point are low, but they're better for Biden currently than they are for Bernie. I, I think when we're talking about uh, Texas, I think we also need to talk about voter suppression. mm mm-hmm. uh, You know, we had a lot of issues in both Texas and California with polling places being backed up, people waiting six hours to vote. That's right. Uh, And in Texas specifically, the Republican-controlled government has reduced the number of polling places by 750 since 2012. And the majority of those, 70% of those, are in the fastest-growing black and Latino. You're
1: you're you're always the good
0: guy when you get rid of places for people to vote. It's always super good. I mean, at our polling place that I walked to last night to drop off, thankfully, Mm. my mail-in ballot that I just got to walk in and drop off in person. But the line was over 400 people deep. And this was at 6 o'clock at night. People at UCLA were waiting four plus hours. You know, young Mm -hmm. people just walking away from the polls because who the fuck has four hours to stand in line? Of course.
1: And that would hit that would hit poor communities the
0: hardest for obvious reasons. Yeah, uh, because they got shit to do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so we have to talk about voter suppression. Another reason to despair uh, is Elizabeth Warren. And I, I don't... I. Do not envy ourselves this task. Uh, but I think we got to get into a little bit. Elizabeth Warren pretty much exclusively took progressive votes and put them into the ether. She captured around 36 delegates total. Mm-hmm. and But because she was under viability in so many of the states that she was performing in, she did not capture delegates. She just took votes. And it has been a very fluid race up to this point. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Biden, we weren't anticipating to do no. this. But now we know. Now we know. And there is a very clear path forward, and the only reason to not do it is villainy.
1: The only way that progressives leftists have a chance now is to team up. That's it. There's no there's no other path yeah. forward.
0: Which think, is good. It's where we should yeah, be.
1: It's time. It was always going to have to happen.
0: Yeah, and 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 it's time. It's time and they already did it. <laughs> like they did. The and, centrists and, and did
1: it. I, I have to admit, uh I have to admit I they, they did it faster and more competently than the DNC did anything when they were trying to stop Trump from getting elected in 2016. I and I know. find that deeply annoying. I think my final thought is that, is that this most likely leads to a contested convention and that will in almost no ways lead to a Bernie nomination.
0: Yeah. I, I think as we said before, 1991 is the number uh, he's got to win a majority to take it first round. And that got really hard to envision after tonight. Uh, now, Let's get to Team Hope, shall we? So there, there are some good things. <laughs> one, <laughs> one, Bernie fucking killed California. He did. And California is going to save his campaign for right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to take a huge lead in the delegates. Neither Bloomberg nor Warren able to get uh, to that 15% marker. So it's going to take something that could easily have been a 100, 150 delegate mm-hmm. like mismatch in terms mm-hmm. of being behind, and it's going to bring it closer. Uh, we don't know the final numbers totally. yet. But like this he's not going to be that far behind and that is hugely because of the work just thank you to every single person that worked for that campaign specifically in california but also all around this country uh two joe biden (laughs) joe biden is a reason for team hope because you may have listened to last week's episode
1: joe biden's on
0: team hope yeah joe biden is a part of hope man here's why if you listen to last week's episode after this or even after South Carolina and we're like, wow, these guys were way off the mark. We're talking about sunsetting Joe. We're mm. talking about how it's getting sad. Mm. You know what? No, <laughs> that's all still true. In many ways, it's more true now than it was before. Like We have to acknowledge it worked. It paid off big for them. Yes. This, is, this is Joe Biden's career highlight moment, period. He actually won something. Holy shit! That's never fucking happened before, <laughs> and that's kind of no, the point. No, I mean the first point. day
1: he ever won a primary was South Carolina on Saturday.
0: Yep, uh, Joe Biden is your best play <laughs> means you are in a bad way. And hey. They brought it all together. They got people in lockstep. They got the people together for that vote. They fucking won this round. And that's great. But now we are increasingly looking at a one-v-one race between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Bloomberg dropped out this morning. Warren is said to be taking the day to consider her options. Mm-hmm. I very much doubt she's going to be in the race much longer, um, even with or without a Bernie endorsement. We're, we're Definitely looking at a 1v1 race. And if you want to stack up Bernie fucking Sanders and Joseph Biden in a 1v1, I feel pretty good about that fight. Joe hasn't been a contender you want to talk about who's been vetted? Joe has not been vetted. No. Uh Joe
1: And I mean Joe everything Joe has ever done is
0: Yeah. Kind Joe of comically is a series bumblingly villainous. Uh, Joe is the confederate of dunces' candidate. Uh, like the he man is. just can't get his shit together. And the fact that you had to come behind him, I think that there's a very good chance we have over 60 percent of the electorate left to go in this primary yeah it gets really hard but i think the chances of a bernie plurality are actually pretty good Mm -hmm. we'll see what goes he might be able to ride this momentum all the way there i do not know but i think that bernie and biden on a debate stage which we're going to get not this coming week but the next one on the 15th i think that's going to be really telling and we're going to start to see if biden can really keep this shit up
1: i think joe's he's made of
0: glass Glass jaw, baby.
1: I think he's glass, and and I, I I he is actually the candidate that's now the front runner ahead of my candidate. Arguably, is my reason for hope too,
0: because Absolutely. I
1: because I just think Joe had already cratered once in this damn election,
0: and, and I also keep- the entire history of his <laughs> campaigns.
1: And I can't help but feel that like Joe will crater again.
0: I think there is a very good chance of that. I think the establishment media is going to do everything in their power to ignore his failings and oh. just declare him victor. But you know what? This kind of needed to be a kill shot for him, too, and it's not. Bernie is still in this fucking thing. And he did that hobbled. Biden had all the moderate vote behind mm-hmm. him. Bernie did not. And I don't think that's going to be the case much longer. So we're get, it's about to get super stinking interesting.
1: But the way the vote has broken down across like sort of fall lines in the party. Really, truly means I and no one else knows what's about to happen. Sure.
0: Fine. But But
1: I mean, that's a good thing. Like there's no we we have no
0: idea. We have an honest contest for the first time in this whole primary between establishment politics and meaningful change. And I, for one, am fucking here for it. That is where I wanted to be. I want to have that fight. I think we can win that fight. And. If we walk in with the plurality, I agree. There's a very good chance the DNC will do everything in its power to steal it. Mm -hmm. But in a two-person race, if you have more votes, that gets harder to pull the fuck off. You know what you're doing at that point if you've got six candidates in the race and everyone's in the 20s to 30s then someone gets appointed and that doesn't feel as much like stealing it Mm -hmm. but if biden and bernie walk in there and biden has or bernie has more particularly if it's more than just a couple percentage points Mm -hmm. it gets a lot harder to pull off that outright theft and it makes it much more clear that what you are doing is ignoring the will of the people. And we'll see if that's the will of the people. Yeah. We have time to figure that out. But we got a lot more votes to count. And this was not a kill shot. Yeah. And I, I, I
1: have one thing I can guarantee. There's going to be a lot of media sources that are telling you right now, this is it.
0: This yeah. is over. It's over. But don't don't even, don't even think about it anymore. Hey, hey.
1: hey. Unity.
0: Unity Candidate.
1: They're going to like use Unity as as a cudgel, but let me tell you what, I only know one thing about the rest of this campaign, and I guarantee you, I would stake any of your you listeners' lives on this. <laughs> there will be more twists and turns before this is over. Mm-hmm. There there's going there's things will change from what they are now. I don't know how it's gonna end. I don't know if Bernie's gonna get the nomination or not, but I tell you what, it is not going to look just like this. Nope. Do we have anything to say about Bloomberg? Okay, give me thirty seconds on Bloomberg. We'll get out of here.
0: Yeah. So as far as Bloomberg, one, I I really really enjoyed watching him spend <laughs> half a billion dollars that he stole on nothing. Uh, it it just tickled me to no end. Uh, two, I want to say that like the fact that he's able. This is quoting Rob Zachney from Twitter this morning, but the fact that he's able to step away just so simply, just like oh my bad, uh, like this man spent. For a person whose net worth was a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, he spent the equivalent of eight hundred and thirty-two dollars. Like this was for nothing our listeners, to
1: him. I'm going to say. So if you make fifty thousand dollars a year, yeah, he spent yeah. about four
0: hundred. Yeah. If you if you are one of us, he bought half a PS4. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: and no games. Yeah,
0: and the PS4 was broken and blew up in his face, and that's funny. <laughs> And we're all here for that. I don't know where we would be in a race where Bloomberg wasn't such an out-and-out cretin of Mm -hmm. a human being. If Mm -hmm. he had that $500 million and wasn't just a villain, sex-pest, racist motherfucker. Like, the (laughs) problem—and I really appreciate Warren, as we said Mm -hmm. last week, for making that obvious to everyone and making that an undeniable fact. If she ran the whole
1: campaign the way she ran against Bloomberg specifically, she might be the front-runner. Well, yeah,
0: everyone else would be dead. (laughs) But, but— we're not gonna be that lucky every time, None. and we still—it's mm-hmm. very telling that a man. Well, got Donald to, Trump is president. He got to take a <laughs> side bet on democracy, mm-hmm. and yeah, he lost this one because he sucks. But the next billionaire might not have those same issues, or they might be a little more, a uh, little harder to bring to the forefront. And I think we have to deal with the fact that like people using. Billions of dollars that they should never have had to begin with to try to buy democracy is a problem that we are still going to have to deal with moving forward. Okay, so my final point for Team Hope is that this fight does not begin and end with Bernie Sanders. Bernie is our candidate. Mm, He is our 2020 avatar, and it matters. That's right. But our movement doesn't begin, end, or die with Bernard fucking Sanders. Like, he is one voice, and that he is an important voice, but the things that Bernie stands for, Medicare for All... Caring for the poor and needy, enfranchising people in our country—like this movement—is so much bigger than him. And even if Bernie can't take this nomination, that movement's not going anywhere. That movement is massively based around our youth, who are we're only, only going to have more of next time around.
1: That's true. That's how that works. That is how that
0: works. <laughs> Let's move forward, shall we? Uh, so, John Piper is a theologian. John Are we, Piper, we
1: introducing another character? We're not going to gonna our... get
0: too far into it. John Piper, he is a Reformed Baptist Continuationist pastor. He. You can't just you can't just just say all those
1: sexy words uh, to me. And not
0: expect me to like. <laughs> To get turned on over here, Michael. He wrote books such as Don't Waste Your Life, Desiring Mm. God, and other books that my mom has purchased for me at various points (laughs) in my childhood. Is he the
1: Christian hedonist guy? Yes, Yes, Okay, but I remember reading one of his books when I was in middle school, and he opens with a poem about how he is a Christian hedonist, which is, by the way, the original, uh, was the original title for Shitty Christians, but it had already been taken. Uh, Damn it. And his whole thing is basically like, hey man, we are all, Christians are hedonists because we derive all of our joy and happiness through God. So I am a Christian hedonist. That's pretty much what you need to know
0: about John Piper up front. He's a scold. He is a pillar of the community that we grew up in. And he's here to tell you why coronavirus is your fault.
1: (laughs) So this came from... I called him a scold. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And his podcast is called Ask Pastor John. By the way, we're on next week. (laughs) Yeah, tune in to hear us uh, not listening to the Pope as we troll John Piper. (laughs) So he got asked about the coronavirus, and he had some things to say. They were mostly pretty boring. You know, we have sickness because of sin, blah blah we all live and we all die. Mm -hmm. More interesting, sometimes sickness is God's mercy. Is (laughs) it... So, some Christians can die of illnesses so that we may not be condemned along with the world, Piper said. The pastor based this view in 1 Corinthians 11 29 through 32, which de- deals with misusing the Lord's supper. supper. But the principle is broader, he so,
1: said. So, several thousand Chinese people died because of the Lord's Supper? Yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not struggling great. a little bit to. <laughs>
0: this is his words the trajectory of their sin was cutting them off Mm -hmm. and he is saving them not to punish them but to save them by murdering them
1: okay so tell me if i'm correct we live in a simple world sometimes we do bad things yes so god's going to kill me so i don't partake in said bad things
0: yeah, or I think. because he's he's gonna he's gonna thought crime you Jesus Jesus is <laughs> Jesus a precog? Yeah, Jesus is a precog. Jesus, <laughs> rocking that minority report, uh, and Tom Cruise style good looks. Uh, yeah, handsome, known handsome gentleman. <laughs> Jesus, known handsome white man. <laughs> Truly the Biden of his era. Um, Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it is an insane view. It's not something that you see in scripture.
1: We're, I will kind of want to do an episode at some point about Christian views of suffering and evil yeah, and all that. This job. is actually
0: but, how God interacts in a world so full of pain and suffering is a really big and important theological question. And Piper is just fucking whiffing on it. <laughs> like It's just, wow. It's pretty
1: funny to confront maybe the greatest mystery in the entire world, which is the problem of evil. And be like, you know, sometimes God
0: kills people with obscure... With obscure bat illnesses. Yeah, just because. Uh, for your benefit. He then takes a quick dive into the Pat Robertson argument. Sickness can come as judgment.
1: Oh. Yeah. I, we should do a longer bit at some point about hurricanes killing gay people. Hurricanes
0: killing gay people, AIDS being a judgment but, on... Uh, Always. Also gay people. It right. seems like seems like a lot of natural disasters. Uh. You know, I've been through a couple hurricanes. What is God trying to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God sometimes uses diseases to bring particular judgments upon those who reject him and give themselves over to sin.
1: I just think you can't ever point to a specific evil in the world and say it's God's judgment, given that every moment. Every day we are swimming through awfulness.
0: Yeah, well it's and just-
1: suffering. There's no way to say that the kids in cages at the border are having are, are being visited God's judgment yeah. because that logic could be visited upon any suffering. So fuck all that.
0: Yeah. Why is this always only applied to horrible things that happen in our natural world mm-hmm. and not the actions of people? Like right. are, are Epstein victims like you know receiving God's judgment because they were too sexy as children? Like, like <laughs> oh. what? Oh no! I'm, I this I know. Is, this is I what know. John Piper is saying. It is ludicrous on its face, and yeah. it astounds me as somebody that encountered him as, as a mm. very young man totally. and has not thought about him in the intervening decades and has not really done the research <laughs> to know if he was always him. this way <laughs> those christian Think about him every day uh la today declared a state of emergency regarding the coronavirus like for Whew. this city uh which in and of itself special bye guys it's been real uh but also... I'll be
1: fine. But Michael, R.I.P.
0: Yeah, judgment judgment on us for voting for Bernie. <laughs> like, that's clearly what's happening here.
1: <laughs> Makes as much theological sense.
0: Jesus was a centrist.
1: So what do we have for protein? We're yeah. going to be talking about work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Working out.
1: <laughs> you know, I focus a lot on lats, quads, you know, and core.
0: How disappointing in the insane event that we ever got to do a live show would would it be for people to walk in thinking they're going to see Gerald of Rivia <laughs> and your swole ass, and then see us how, little hobgoblins? How disappointing!
1: How disappointing at how much hotter we are than those two <laughs> people.
0: So we're going to be talking about work and yes. uh, the Protestant work ethic and. Why Capitalism Has Ruined Everything, as we do every week. But first, Zach, you found an article. So this is from The Intersect. Intersect Project, The Intersect Project,
1: where faith meets culture. Ooh. It is uh, a website we will be returning to. I have no yeah. doubt in the future, because there are hundreds of articles that range from why Karl Marx started a blood cult that is coming for your children
0: mm, all true. the way true, true.
1: <laughs> to why AOC has started a blood <laughs> cult that is coming for your children.
0: Amen, preach. <laughs> yeah, the Intersect, what I love about the Intersect project is that it's essentially our pitch, like mm-hmm. faith and culture. It actually is. They definitely get into politics, uh, but it's it's definitely bizarro us. Like, it is, it's it very is maybe... slick. Oh, yeah. But
1: then the actual content is like, 600 words what i love is like how good the website is you can always tell when something has been astroturfed by the quality of the website versus the quality of the writing
0: and i didn't actually know this until right this moment and i feel a little bad for not knowing it in advance. it's a project of southeastern baptist theological seminary
1: all right so i found like I, i've been just obsessively reading this website for the last few days and one article in particular caught me
0: yeah zach didn't even vote yeah, he was too obsessed with reading this. <laughs> he missed his opportunity. He was uh, like, what do you mean it's Tuesday?
1: <laughs> so I found an article called Three Wrong Ways to Think About Your Job by oh, David I'm Jones. So... That's a very real name and person.
0: <laughs> yep, a person that is in no way a work. A professor of
1: Christian ethics, which, is all, which are always the people that have the best ideas. Uh, He's the co-author of a book called Health, Wealth, and Happiness.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. All right, future pod.
1: The Bible addresses the topic of work, oftentimes in a commending manner, always with a positive outlook. So in spite of these descriptions, depictions of work in the Bible, many of us continue to hold misconceptions about work. Oh, I have misconceptions. You have misconceptions about work, Michael? About about my work? David, real person, NPC Jones, (laughs) (laughs) is here to tell you what your misconceptions are. All right. Misconception number one. Work is bad. Leisure is good. Wow. I can tell that he is really getting to you right he, now.
0: You know, i <laughs> he's really blowing my mind. Nothing uh, in my life has ever contradicted <laughs> the idea that leisure is good.
1: Many people, including Christians, default to the notion that work is bad and leisure is good. Some people view work as a necessary evil to earn income.
0: <laughs> who? Who would ever?
1: I know. Like, who would dare to work for the weekend? The song is always about... Work as hard as you can during the week and wait until Monday. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, That song is, it's very Bruce Springsteen and that you think that it's uh, pro the weekend, but secretly it's deeply against. Uh, Just like Bruce Springsteen in America.
1: Misunderstanding the concept will have practical consequences. Rather than being masters of our work, we will become its slaves. Rather than ruling over our work, our work will rule over us. This is not God's plan
0: for his children. Just to be clear, we need to love work Mm. more, or otherwise we are ruled by it.
1: Listen, you think it's a privilege to spend time with your wife (laughs) Yeah. on the weekends or on your off time, but the real privilege is when you get to send emails for someone else. That's the the real privilege. privilege. Misconception number two.
0: Oh God, (laughs) I'm already so scared.
1: Some jobs are better than others. (laughs) 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 Michael. Michael, Michael, oh. you may think, damn you may think, making ten million dollars a year because your dad owns a company and you technically are a quote consultant and yeah. you show up to the office once every couple weeks to have a meeting and eat a bagel, is a better job than yours. But Michael, Michael, Michael,
0: that would be a misconception. Misconception, man. How did I not understand that uh, my shitty near minimum wage job? How could I ever think that was less good than being Jim Clyburn's daughter and being given millions of dollars just for existing? Goddamn, why would I ever have thought that?
1: That's right. Some jobs, he continues, naturally require more manual labor. Others require more mental labor. Scripture is not prejudiced. A related distortion is our tendency to favor higher-paying jobs, and sometimes those who hold them over lower-paying jobs. But practically speaking, it seems the definition of a good job should be one that meets an individual's abilities— Educational preparation, life experience, and spiritual giftedness, regardless
0: of the salary. Oh, yeah, the salary doesn't matter. No, that hey. would never matter. Hey. I'm going to pull us back for one second because there was a great line that I think we need to cover. Okay. Uh, in Misconception One, that work is bad, he also says, God is a worker and he made humanity to work. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn there was something about having a relationship with him or living in communion with him no. forever, but no. God made you. I could have sworn that we weren't supposed to toil the land until after the fall, no. but God, God must be God made you so you can
1: pour water for a 17-year-old a uh, TikTok yeah. magnate
0: <laughs> who will not be tipping you. So
1: yeah, Michael, no job is better than another job. No
0: job is better than another job. I I there's one thing I do believe with him is that I don't think God sees jobs differently. Yeah. Like in the sense that like I don't think he values like I, know, yeah. white collar, blue collar, his any of that. His premise
1: is correct. Well, but no. or not his premise is correct. That is fine.
0: That's fine. Everything else is horrific. Bullshit. But then he's
1: using that to basically say like income doesn't matter. He's completely he, effacing material consequences of your job he is saying he is saying there are no material consequences there's only ideology the
0: most important thing is that you work your body into the dirt whether that's with your 60 hour office job that you never get to leave and see your kids or working a manual labor job that you can keep going exactly as long as your back holds out like in either case the important thing is just keep going until you can't uh so this guy wrote a dumb thing and that's fine but what it all really comes back to is this idea of the protestant work ethic the thing that truly made america great uh what's great about america we work harder baby we make more we are the thought leaders in the world we democracy so fucking hard
1: (laughs) i i grew up hearing protestant work ethic like Like, if that had been a drinking game, I would have been an alcoholic 10-year-old Yeah, instead of an alcoholic (laughs) (laughs) 12-year-old.
0: Zach, what's that you got there? Oh, it's an entire fistful of bourbon. It must be the day after Super Tuesday. (laughs) So the Protestant work ethic, we're going to take you a little bit through the history of it, and then we're going to talk about all the damaging ways we see it in our world. And I think we need to go back, if we're really trying to understand it, All the way back to 1905, where a racist, imperialist, social Darwinist gentleman by the name of Max Weber wrote a book.
1: Uh, I did really appreciate uh, Joe Biden, though, writing the foreword for
0: this. (laughs) Yeah, endorsed. The Protestant ethic and the spirit of capitalism. He was a German guy, one of the first sociologists.
1: Ah, yes. A German in the 20th century. You know he's one of the good guys.
0: (laughs) To understand what he's saying, we have to go all the way back to sort of uh, two things. The Industrial Revolution Mm -hmm. and the Reformation. Mm -hmm. And so you have the Industrial Revolution, and you start having these guys... Now we call them Bezos. We call them billionaires. Then they were called industrialists. And these industrialists—it's a way cooler title. Had, let's be honest. Yes. I would
1: love, like, uh, like it's better than mage. Like, if, like if I was playing a role role-playing game, industrialist just sounds awesome. It's very steampunk.
0: It, it is very steampunk. If you say industrialists, like three times in a mirror, a child's severed finger from a thresher shows up in front of you. Uh, it's it's yeah. It, it's a powerful term. That's what I'm saying. It's a word of power. Uh, so in this time Mm -hmm. you have people trying to create industry but they have a problem you see okay in that all of these pre-capitalist laborers who were busy doing farming doing Mm -hmm. very big that kind of stuff they had this idea like hey we're going to pay these people more and that way they will work longer hours and work harder and bloody blah Mm -hmm. but what they found was when they paid them more they worked less Kings. Kings, all of you. <laughs> 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 you. Fucking heroes. They did what a rational person would do. They said, okay, I can do this amount of work and be able to support mm-hmm. myself and mm-hmm. and care for my family. So now what am I going to do? I'm going to take more leisure time. I'm going to spend more time with my family and do whatever the fuck I want. I'm going to go get drunk. Like, pre-capitalist labor yeah. was not concerned with the accumulation of wealth. It was concerned concern with the meeting of needs. So they couldn't get people to buy in by providing more wealth, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious
1: i i love all those people it's a shame what's happened as we will get to but that is mad respect to everybody who wanted to work 10 hours a week
0: yes capitalism succeeded as a result of calvinism that's interesting it's a it's a take um and there's a certain amount of truth there or i'm not even gonna say truth so what he was basically arguing is that calvinism as a Mm -hmm. religious doctrine uh has to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get a little theological here on the podcast. We don't try to do that too much on shitty Christians.
1: Apologies to our listeners. But
0: Calvinism as part of the Protestant Reformation was a response to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Catholicism told you were you were saved when you took the sacraments and you showed the fuck up to church. Yeah, that's what Catholicism Faith said. Hey, 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 uh, show up. It's done. It's yep. handled. Mm-hmm. Calvinism is the idea that your salvation, your relationship with God, is totally predetermined and you have no influence or input on that at all. Before the beginning of time, God chose, you're in, you're out, fuck you, Jerry. Uh, and so that created some interesting problems.
1: <laughs> really? Really? The idea that like there is no choice creates yeah.
0: some problems? Shocking, I know. Uh, and so just to read a little bit another thing we don't recommend on this (laughs) podcast: the inability to influence one's own salvation presented a very difficult problem for calvin's followers it became an absolute duty to believe that one was chosen for salvation and to dispel any possible doubt on it if you showed a lack of self-confidence in that, that itself was in indicative of insufficient faith and a sign that you might be damned. <laughs> oh my gosh. So self-confidence <laughs> takes the place of priestly assurance of God's grace. This is
1: how we end up with every fucking Harry Potter Matrix movie where it's like, just believe, just yep. believe, and yeah, you, yeah, will, yeah. you will stop the bullets raining down upon you. This is just, that's all the work out of, like your belief. This is how we end up with Oprah and the secret. Your belief is what makes it work.
0: Dumbledore was a five-points Calvinist. And so, here's the other sleight of hand that really slides Mm -hmm. this all into place. Yeah, Worldly success becomes the measure of that assurance.
1: Wow, funny how they ended up in the same place as the Catholics with the divine right of kings. God has chosen you, you're on top. Hey, success means you're on top. Funny, Funny how we end up in the same spot again and again.
0: So weird. And so now you have this idea that Money and the accumulation of wealth is no longer the sin. Mm. Frivolity in how you spend it becomes the sin. These
1: people can't even have fun.
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, but it's an incredible thing because it is one of the most consistent parts of yes. the New Testament specifically. It's just like, no, give it away. It's something we talk about a lot well, on this and, podcast. And money,
1: money as poison is just a theme.
0: Yes. It's just a full-on theme of the New Testament. The love of money is the root of all evil.
1: Jesus talks about money more than he talks about like the afterlife or,
0: or, or frankly, gender. Or, unless you're reading the Southern Baptist Bible, in which case he talks about it a lot less than he talks about gay people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new translation. Don't worry about it. So, now that you've accomplished these sleights of hands, you've got a bunch mm-hmm. of people who believe that their work is tied to their salvation. And so, what they essentially did was make all work sacred. And we see that That's at right. the end of that stupid article. Stupid fucking that, like, article development of the concept of calling, Mm. turning work into a calling, Mm. gave the modern entrepreneur a fabulously clear conscience. Whew. Already. It also gave him industrious workers. He gave to his employees as the wages of their ascetic devotion to the calling and cooperation in his ruthless exploitation of them through capitalism, the prospect of eternal salvation. To sum Mm. that up, he gave them the prospect of eternal salvation through their devotion to him. Wow. The believer thus justified pursuit of profit with religion as instead of being fueled by morally suspect greed or ambition, their actions were motivated by a highly moral and respected philosophy. And that is what Weber called the spirit of capitalism.
1: Wow. That's fascinating. It's
0: crazy that this guy in 1905 invented Wall Street. (laughs) Like he just wrote the script for Wall Street. (laughs) He just, the entire book is just greed is good.
1: It's really the moral sort of, hierarchy of that again just it's 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 a it's a facile comparison i made before but it really is the medieval thing of like most deserving people are on top the the peasants are on bottom and what's amazing is they found a way to exploit the peasants better because the peasants worked fewer hours a week than we do usually and they they mostly they knew where they were Mm -hmm. and so they just tried to get by and this is now somehow extracting more value from the peasants and convincing them that they're worth Is contingent on that.
0: And to say that your goal in work cannot Mm -hmm. be to do your job. It must be your calling, it must be your passion, and you must continually be proving yourself in the pursuit of labor. Okay, so that is the Protestant work ethic. That's the concept. Mm-hmm. And Weber was saying this was mostly good. <laughs> uh, he w- he kind of shit on Catholic nations for, like, this is why capitalism didn't flourish there oh, because which... we didn't have all these, like, sleights of hands that made this happen. I
1: think it's because they have, like, 70 holy days a year. Uh,
0: but we see this concept everywhere. Bruce Ashford, mm-hmm. a gentleman we have quoted at too much length on this podcast, const- talks constantly about the importance of free market and hard work. Christianity Today in 2018 had an article where he said, <laughs> this is the title, the Protestant Protestant work ethic helps alleviate poverty.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: like we see it everywhere. Tell me, Zach, what's wrong with this? Well, nothing. <laughs> this is this is this is an
1: endorsement. Yeah, I just yeah. want to say I believe I, I work hard.
0: That's I, why we podcast eighteen hours a day every I, day till till our, til our eyeballs bleed. That's why we are Fortnite fucking champions. When I
1: grew up being poor and being white, we hated the welfare state,
0: even mm-hmm.
1: though. I grew up on state health care for my entire childhood. My parents just didn't have it. Yeah. There was this idea that was sold to poor whites, but also to everybody on the right, that the welfare state is insidious. It's not just that, like, they want to keep your money. That, that's obviously the they, rich people want to keep their money. That's obviously the sort of central Koch brother tenet. It actually had a very clean argument, that in that in developing this welfare state people will become lazy they will become reliant on it and it actually harms
0: poor communities
1: i found a uh, going
0: back to weber real quick yes another tenant of this philosophy he says was a sense that charity charity promotes beggary and laziness yeah so and it's there from the start it's, it's there not from just, the
1: start and it's still there absolutely and and, and you know, I found a, a summation in an article from a really creepy place called the Institute for Faith Work and Economics.
0: Oh, that sounds great.
1: <laughs> Another, I want to hang
0: out in that an incredibly
1: room. splashy website, like beautifully designed. And but the articles are like four hundred words long and really thin. And if you do some light googling, turns out it's a Koch brothers. Uh, oh, shocking! It's a it, yeah it's a, what would you call it? It's a Koch brothers project. Actually. Yeah, it's funded.
0: Yeah. Yep, Koch brothers joint. Not bad. Uh, shout outs to the dead one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there they have a lot of articles from creepy white people that they're just paying to sort of astroturf this into the to the ground sadly in extending their hands to accept temporary assistance to weather tough times millions have become accustomed to not working the cycle of dependency has had ruinous effects on marriage families and economic security so it i, I would hear this in rush Limbaugh every week if you help people you keep them in poverty they will never raise themselves up And what's so interesting is that like, this was, this this hurts communities of color the most, but it also literally hurt me and my family. And it hurt poor white communities as well. Like, because it was purely sold as an us versus them. The racism of this is obvious and twofold. One, the myth is always, and it's really easily sold to poor whites, is that like, we started with nothing. We're just like you, you know, like rich white people are just like poor white people is what I was always sold. Mm -hmm. We're just like you, we started with nothing. You have nothing, we had nothing is obviously a lie. Um, so we got here, why can't you? You know, and, and so you end up being like told you that like bootstraps are being sold to poor communities, particularly communities of color, and that if you it's a cultural problem. And that if you don't have you don't have money, it's your fault, and that there is the implications that if you're poor, you're defective. Yes. And I grew up feeling that way for sure. You know, because it was it was sold, and it's especially sold. With the subtle racism of culture. You know, I would definitely be told, like, black communities, there's nothing wrong with being black, it's fine, but it's a cultural problem.
0: This is the idea of neo racism. Exactly. Where you obfuscate the biological components of race and you say, oh, no, no, no I, got, I got no problem with black people, color your skin, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But then you reconstitute all those same biases exactly. around culture and you say, no, 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 I don't have any problem with black people. It's just that. They're lazy or they hip-hops or the, right. the, the saggy the pants. The pants are
1: just so saggy.
0: I just like, I, you know, if they just pull them up, maybe they could get a job. Like There was a great article talking about the early days of the National
1: Review and the Washington Post that said, anything short of explicit bigotry could not be racist. This is the basis of the self fashioned myth of racial innocence that many conservatives maintain today. That's why they fight for colorblindness. It's the same tropes. It's, you know, the National Review was against civil rights. It, it's against Black Lives Matter. When you had this work ethic, particularly in capitalism, it basically says you are the problem if you don't have what you need. You and and only you can make this. And if you don't, it's your fault. It's it, it is turned weaponized the same way misogyny is into self hate, and it leads the ultimate American lie. My favorite American lie, meritocracy. Yep. If you can't have a house, if you can't have, we only afford food or medicine, you're at fault, you don't work, you don't eat color when they do this fake ass color blindness and say it's just we just want the best people to have the most things. It's fucked up. First of all, there are no best people. We're all people. We're all we all have talents. Some of us do, some of us don't. But more importantly, The flip side of meritocracy that libs don't even want to fucking acknowledge is that that means if you're not, quote unquote, how they view the best, if you're not Pete fucking Buttigieg, I speak eight languages, you deserve to die. You don't deserve to have a nice house. You don't deserve to have insulin.
0: Yeah. Uh, they're not going to address these problems because they're still still super bought into the meritocracy. We see that yep. with the obsession with Ivy Leagues. We see that with mm-hmm. the whole way that we construct our high schools now to be achievement machines. Where, That's like, right. Our, our poor children that are going through this mill where they have to have gathered all of these accolades before they make it out of seventh grade or they're fucking fucked. Like
1: it, It's unreal to ask a 17-year-old to be thinking about the rest of their life.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, sorry. That's just unfair. I'll say this. As someone that racked up a moderate number of those accolades, they're all bullshit too. Like, oh, yeah. It's just like I mean, it's, we had to construct the accolades. It's a
1: minor version of Pete Buttigieg's, Pete Buttigieg's resume. It doesn't mean anything. It's just there for the sake of advancement.
0: Absolutely, it's racist. It also willfully ex- ignores any semblance of material conditions. And we oh, saw course, that it has in that to, article. It has in to. this shitty little BuzzFeed listicle that it shows up on a fucking seminary website, what That's do we right. see? Salary doesn't matter.
1: I think what's amazing, too, is it ignores all sense of humanity. It doesn't say we all have a shared humanity. It says some of us are more human than others.
0: Some of us are worth more humanity than others.
1: That's what it says. Uh, and it expli- And there's it's not a coincidence that communities of color suffer from that.
0: Yeah, and, well, and that, that the idea that your labor is sacred and thus has value, whether or not it can provide you with food, mm-hmm. health care, yep. a roof over your head. Like, no, no, no. What matters is that you work hard. There are no bad jobs. Like... There are no bad jobs, only bad people. Only bad people work in them. Let's see other things that it has done. It has created this really shitty toxic work culture. And now, so in order to make capitalism happen, we had to make work sacred. But then we killed God.
1: You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Jeff Bezos reciting Ozymandias. <laughs> from Mars as he yeah. looks back on Earth yeah. it's, it's gonna uh, be normal and cool
0: one day so Jeff Bezos has already undergone an immense physical transformation <laughs> from like dweebish nebbish douchebag to still dweebish nebbish douchebag but with a little bit of muscle and a flak jacket <laughs> like we've already seen that he can
1: dress I sw- right i That's swear the to god thing is if you're a billionaire you should look so fucking fly uh, you should look fly at all times man
0: yeah uh fuck you like hoodie illuminati but it will not surprise me in five years when jeff bezos is be like hey so i'm blue now i glow don't worry about it don't worry about it jeff bezos invents a new race for himself <laughs> yeah none of you are invited so one it's racist to, it probably doesn't exist. But in as much as it does exist, it is exclusively a bad thing. There was a really interesting paper by a group of Dutch economists. Mm-hmm. And what they found was not that people with, in Protestant countries that grew up with the Protestant ethic worked harder or created more, really, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, average productivity to hour of labor. Right. But what they did find is that those people were 40 percent... More miserable when they were denied the opportunity to do meaningful work. That's They are so dealing sad. with unemployment. So is the Protestant work ethic a thing? No, except for in the bad way.
1: It just punishes
0: you. It just makes you feel like shit if you're not doing the damn thing. Yeah, and I mean, anecdotally, I can speak to that. Absolutely. I mean, how we tell we tell our youth over and over and over again like no you know you got to keep going till you find your passion and that passion is always connected to the thing that you can make money doing it's always work Uh, a recent pew research report on the epidemic of youth anxiety which is already just a hell of a thing to start 95 percent of teens said having a job or career they enjoy would be extremely or very important to them as an adult Put that in perspective. My goodness. This ranks higher than any other priority, including helping people who are in need or getting married.
1: I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know right there.
0: We are selling our kids a lie. Mm -hmm. And they want to tell you that the lie is you can be anything you want to be. Right. That's not the fucking lie. Mm. The lie is that, like, fulfillment exists in labor.
1: It's fascinating. Like, you said uh, 95% of teens. Those kids also believe in socialism. But we have also internalized capitalism and the work ethic so completely. We almost can't see outside of it.
0: Yeah, it, it is totalizing. I mean, capitalism is a totalizing force. Totally. It, it, it infects and destroys. And, like. and
1: what's, what's so interesting is it like, what it does, the lie is so good because technically, anyone can be part of the four slots that are good jobs. We built a lottery and we've called it justice, whereas it's just happenstance and cruelty.
0: Yeah, and specifically, we constructed that lottery in such a way that the people at the bottom work full-time, often more than 40 hours a week, and are not able to pay for their basic expenses. That's right. And then we tell them, you didn't win the lottery. Sucks. The game is rigged. Yeah. Hugely important, and we are infecting our children with it. It's very upsetting.
1: We're infecting our, somehow our socialist children have bought into this. Absolutely. That that is just how totalizing Uh,
0: it is. I think another important thing to say is that like this is not just an American philosophy Mm -hmm. that is carried in our souls. Right, we enshrine it in our laws. Between 1950 and 2012, annual hours worked per employee fell by about. 40 percent in germany and the netherlands which for the record was the promise that like Keynes was talking about in like 1930s Mm -hmm. being like we're on the verge of a 15 hour work week like there was an idea that the productivity of labor was going to lead to more leisure and even in the 50s you had Mm -hmm. this idea that like there when we had something akin to a middle class which was again had a lot of issues and was predominantly white and we're not trying to return to that but like these people had time for leisure, That's and right. even that has been taken away. Incredible. Americans work longer hours, have shorter vacations, get less in unemployment, disability, and retirement benefits, retire later than people in comparably rich societies.
1: Yeah, it, it, and by the way, it's not like the Netherlands and Germany are are like leftist wonderlands. No, for fuck's absolutely sake, not. Those are like the sort of two of the biggest engines of capital in the in, in the West, and we somehow... Are to the right of them,
0: yeah. And, and so, the, yes, yes,
1: I, we are somehow we are somehow more anal retentive about work than the Germans.
0: <laughs> Good job. Well done, all. I mean, I don't think you can make it any more clear than something that we've been talking about a lot on this pod: healthcare and welfare. Mm-hmm. Healthcare, largely in America, is employer based, which means that your continued ability to survive is dependent on your ability to produce profit for someone else, and <sighs> it is contingent. On you having that job, the second that you are no longer useful to the interests of capital—that's right—you are not able to go to the doctor freely. And yes, we have some social safety nets set up for that. The whole point is Barely. that they're insufficient. But that is the fundamental basis of our healthcare. Mm-hmm. You want to live, you need to work. So too welfare. Welfare. Thanks, thanks, Clinton. Yes. This is this yes. is a Bill Clinton special, 1996 Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Reconciliation Act. Which recentered a majority of all the welfare systems That's available right. in That's the right. US around employment status. And so to bring it home, what we have now in this country is less the Protestant work ethic. We have no longer, I think, outside of Christian culture, Christian culture very mm-hmm. much says all work is sacred, do right. it unto the Lord, blah, blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we have done in the culture at large is re pulled God out of that. And work on its own is now sacred. You didn't need God to make it sacred. It's just what it means. And I
1: don't think it's a coincidence that you've seen in the last, like, that has happened since the acceleration of capitalism at the end of the 19th century and early 20th. That, like, that's not, because capitalism doesn't care about God. It only cares about the accumulation of capital. And those who have it are ranked, are the only people that matter. And And, so it's not a coincidence that we would replace God with Jeff Bezos. Because for capitalism, God is Jeff Bezos.
0: Speaking of Jeff Bezos, in 1980, mm-hmm. the people in the top 10% worked less than the middle and working class. Oh, interesting. And in the time since then, we've seen that flip where the, the richest people work the most. And Madness. that may sound like it makes a certain amount of sense if you are, in fact, a capitalist. <laughs> like, on, you know, on some level, some part mm-hmm. of my soul says, yeah, the people that work harder make the most money. They're out there. They're doing the damn thing. One, this goes against all of human history. The, the whole point right. of being rich is to be right. idle. That <laughs> no. is that is the only value that Tom, it has.
1: Thomas Jefferson reading hundreds of books, going outside every morning to stare at the sky yeah. so he could record it. Oh, all these people post-enlightenment were Renaissance men because they would, usually men, because they would just have all this time to pursue their interests. Because and they, their had dreams, they had fucking slaves. Money. Honestly, though, because other people were working that can you imagine for being Mike Bloomberg essentially having slaves and then still working 100 hours a week?
0: Yeah, that's disgusting. It's frankly immoral. <laughs> uh, the accumulation of capital becomes its own end. And so now we have the people that are bought in. They're not just selling that lie to you. Mm-hmm. They are living that lie themselves, which is somehow more disgusting.
1: No, it used is- to be if you were super rich, you would like. Back in the day, you would, like, write Madame Bovary or something. Yeah, paint
0: but now- some shit. Who cares? Like, have a good time. Live yeah. your fucking life. Express yourself. There's so much good bourgeois art.
1: And yeah. now we don't even have that anymore. The closest thing we have to Michelangelo is Elon fucking Musk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you what were a, just like, what a, what a, what a our statue age. of David is the Tesla truck. I mean, I like the angles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we are socialists. We are Christians. What is a portrait of socialist work? So there's this idea... Of that, the, that we've hinted at, that we talked around, the nobility of all labor. Mm-hmm. Our first article hint, talked about that. All pursuits are equal. And I actually, and if all people are equal, all pursuits are equal. And I actually think that's a beautiful idea. MLK kind of hints about that. We would disagree with sort of his take on it, but he basically says if a man is a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted. Now, we would push back slightly and say that work is not a calling, it's work.
0: Yeah, I think that's the important distinction. Yeah. Is like that's still buying into the idea that, like, what you do to survive, what you, you do for work, That's right. is is the thing that you must invest all of your time and energy in. And what we push back and say is, like, no, clean your fucking streets. But that dude has other shit going on. Right. He's into model trains. Dude, he's a great Twitter follow. That's all <laughs> I'm saying, man. He, like, his opinion's out there,
1: but good. Unless we have to de-sanctify work. And I actually think that is an incredible point. We agree that it's important but we do and we agree that working is noble but we do not think it is the thing that is the entirety of your humanity
0: that's not what humanity is called to be that's not the point of life that's right
1: that's right and so i but the one thing we are going to take from that is that yeah. working is noble and that all jobs are equal because all people are equal and if that's true you know what we have to think about differently remuneration because if all people and all jobs are the same, we we cannot continue with this vast, vast gulf between the way jobs are paid. I have heard this argument in churches before. You gotta pay people because they work hard. And if people deserve, and they deserve an incentive to that. But like, let's dispel that. The hardest working people I know on farms they drive around ubers they wait tables so like that's just an easy lie let's get rid of that immediately the truth is people can't flourish they can't be fully themselves and they can't hit their potential unless they have things like their medical care like their food their housing just guaranteed and the truth is when you differently when you when you differently compensate people so vastly you are denying their nobility as people one of the arguments against this i kind of want to throw out also is incentive. It's all people can ever think about. It's so interesting. They have no, our culture and capitalism is so totalizing. We can never think of anything beyond the idea that people won't come up with something new. They won't make society better. There will be no improvements if we get rid of the idea that you can't make billions of
0: dollars. Yeah, unless you can exploit people into being a multi-billionaire <laughs> with it. It has no value and no one will do anything.
1: I mean, it really, you know, and again, there's. it's so easy to disprove this. The Walk polio vaccine was given away insulin the patent was sold for a dollar because he didn't want he didn't want to make money off of it most of our great innovations those big leaps are not funded by profit at all no because that's not how profit works the space race nasa the u.s government the internet arpa cern government and universities the pc
0: public research
1: a lot of like cal research went into that public and uh People research for love of the game. In Cuba, they cure diseases all the time. They can't make any money. They just don't have for any. Fun. They just, just do for it fun because people actually do like doing things.
0: But what it's not set up to do is protect us from corporations then flat out stealing that shit, yep, packaging it up and then selling it to you for a thousand dollars. Yeah, we invented the internet. We own
1: the internet, and yet we are being um, nickel and,
0: and dimed nickel all and, the way down.
1: Nickel and dimed all the way down from our isps to our iphones to your laptop to word
0: to your data cap speed lanes for netflix and nothing else to um not being able to download your call of duty patch because you're already at your limit people
1: people innovate because they're human the
0: internet was a public service that we turned into a profit machine
1: and secondly I don't even care if that's true. It's not true. It's, it's a lie.
0: Definitely not But it's true. not
1: worth it. Do we need more gadgets? Do we need more environmental degradation? Do you need 5G?
0: Yeah, I don't need 5G. I need people to have fucking health care. I need people right. to be able to live in this country. I need people to not be working full-time jobs and not being able to afford insulin. Like right. Those are the things I fucking need. But there's a reason why Pepsi
1: exists and is profitable, even though it is an inferior copy of the other thing. Because the truth is capitalism doesn't reward innovation. It rewards selling something for more than you paid for it. So if you can make even a shittier object that is more useful to capitalism than a
0: good object sold for less
1: profit, capitalism only rewards the accumulation of capital and nothing else.
0: Profit only exists from exploitation. And so if you're socialist like us and believe that labor is entitled to the value of all it creates, there's no fucking place for it three percent of u.s military spending could end starvation in the world we can create a better more just society it's all there and the only thing we have to do is stop letting people steal it uh amen and so and that is the story of how the protestant work ethic a thing that i think of more in tune with like sunday school uh helped create global capitalism wow thanks john calvin So let's let's enter the cool down phase, Uh, prayers, praises, and unspokens. Michael, what do you got for us this week? It's very simple. I Actually, have a prayer this week.
1: Oh, interesting. I pray
0: for Bernie Sanders. Um, Listen, as we already said, our movement is much bigger than this man, but we're in an important moment. So my prayer specifically is for that as you have time, energy and money that you call, text, donate, participate. Get out there and meet some people, whether that's knocking on some doors and meeting your neighbors or just meeting some other people that are passionate in this movement. We live in an incredibly atomized age and has been incredibly affirming to me as a person to meet like-minded individuals who are passionate about the work that we're doing and are going to take it a lot further in this election. It gives me a lot of hope to know how many people like this is not an Obama thing. We're not going to all coalesce around a candidate who promised change. And then it's all just going to dissipate back into the ether. Like, we are doing this thing for real. Uh, so find a way to get plugged in, because it's a fun thing to be a part of. Yeah, could
1: I uh, could not second that more strongly. My thing is a praise for uh, a writer, David Roth, who's just been on my mind a lot lately. And I don't know if any of you read him. He's a, he was a Deadspin editor, and now yeah. he writes a lot. shout outs Deadspin, RIP, Deadspin the Deadspin Forever. One.
0: Yes, uh, what is Deadspin may never die.
1: What a collection of talent. And has been kind of set up shop mostly at the New Republic sure. uh, of late. And he, I've just been consistently blown away with his coverage and his writing. It's not just great punditry. He's just a beautiful writer. You know, the title of his article, uh, which is a deep dive into Bloomberg, is called The Campaign at the End of the World.
0: <laughs> it's already gorgeous.
1: Yeah, no. And, and it just gets better from there. And I, I think he is one of our funniest, most insightful, beautiful writers. Give him a read. I, I think Adams yeah, rotation. I a pull quote. He writes, given the fact that Michael Bloomberg is worth more than $60,000 million and because he has been so impossibly and unconscionably rich for decades, it stands to reason that his presidential campaign would be as psychedelically strange as it was.
0: This has been Shitty Christians. My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor on Twitter. I'm Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard and you can follow the pod and everything we're doing at a few places so here we go at shitty underscore pod on twitter at shitty christians on facebook we've got a little group there we're doing some messaging and stuff or at our website shittychristians.com where you can also uh, drop us a line check out all the episodes see pictures of our ugly faces lots of fun stuff like that (laughs) uh just kidding we're gorgeous uh So with that said, thank you guys so much for listening. If there are two things that I can ask from you this week, it's dismantle capitalism from the ground up and rate and review us on iTunes. Thank you so much.